Welcome in for another episode of the Hangtime Podcast. Seku Smith, your host here in Atlanta. Special guest this week, Kevin Love, the Cleveland Cavaliers, joining us for a few minutes. Kevin Love, my friend, how are you, sir? Hey, what's going on? Everything's good. Everything's good. You know, I was I was laughing as I was taking a look at at your modeling picks. You you know, a, <laughs> you got your supermodel thing on, and I was thinking back. I was like, when's the first time I saw Kevin Love on a basketball court? It was in Vegas. One summer when you were still in high school, you were playing with Taylor King, Brandon Jennings, and Renardo Sidney, and y'all were playing against O.J. Mayo's team. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, we used to we used to pack those gyms out. Oh man, it, Mark Spears and Michael Lee and myself, some other guys who covered the league back then, we got some some courtside seats. I sat next to O.J. Mayo's aunt, who threw popcorn at me and cursed me out because she wanted to know who I was rooting for, and I was like, I'm not here to root. And right. she, she's like, If you're not here to root for us, <laughs> then you need to go. <laughs> but uh, it got me to thinking, though, Kev, just how long of a journey it is. You know, people just assume you guys get to the league and, and you just showed up. But this is a basketball grind that starts in early teenage years. Oh, way back. Guys. Yeah. Way back. So yeah, for you, what, a... what's that like now looking at it from this vantage point, from where you are now? No, I mean, it's crazy to think about grassroots basketball. And that's a con- I mean, that continues to be an evolution as well. And I actually like where it's headed. So now, you know, you're not playing five games a day anymore. Sunday, you're playing five games, the fifth game's the championship. It's more skill-oriented and skill-based because the athleticism, it continues to get better, it looks like. I mean, yeah. we have guys coming into the league. We have, you know, high school players now that, you know, like a Zion Williamson kid, he, he's, you know, probably the most athletic high school kid I've ever seen. And that's, mm-hmm. that's after watching some of the best even to ever do it. Like LeBron James, he's, he's just a powerful, powerful kid. I think what, six, 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 seven, 275 pounds. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a monster and you wouldn't expect him to be that athletic, but it's crazy to see where the game has gone, uh, where the grassroots programs have gone. And I think it continues to get better because it is focused, on primarily skill and building it out from there. So that's very positive. And that was, I think, something that just started to trend and, and trend in the, the positive and right direction when I, I came out of high school and, and went on to UCLA and, and my first year, you know, six years in, in Minnesota all the way until now. This is my fifth season with the Cavs, my 11th season in the league. So you know, I was very fortunate to, uh, you know, have a father that played in the NBA and that, that yeah. valued not only playing different games and, you know, having some failures and, and making mistakes. And then on the other side of things, uh, you know, having a very positive experience and winning basketball games, but also focused on a lot of the skill work, which, you know, a lot of you know, different teams throughout the country, but also the European influence has had such a big influence on our game to where guys are stretching out and, you know, you see the stretch, you know, pace and space type of a league. And I think you're looking at four and fives now that are able to, to shoot the basketball at such a high clip. So I know that was long winded, no. but I think it's all very, very positive in where, where the game is headed. Yeah, I agree. I agree. What, what's the biggest change that's occurred in your game? I mean, I remember your Minnesota days, you put up monster numbers and, and then you have to adjust your game when you go to Cleveland. And, and to me, I always have placed a higher value on what kind of numbers a guy can put up in a winning situation. And right. that, you know, cause to me, that tells the real value. I watched other guys who play on a team that's not as good early in your career. And you, you know, you average 23 points a game. Then you go somewhere and average 17, the 17 on a winning team is sometimes much more valuable. Right. So what, what for you do you think has been the biggest evolution in your game? Well, I think on the floor, something that I guess is is more surface level is just being able to shoot the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, that it was 
I think one of the big reasons that, that Cleveland traded for me in the first place, because just being able to play with two ball dominant guys like Kyrie Irving and, and LeBron James, who uh, I mentioned pace and space, being able to play downhill, LeBron being such a freight train and uh, Kyrie being a magician with the ball and having such an unbelievable handle with them playing downhill, you have to be able to be a knockdown shooter and having, having my size and being able to, to shoot at a high clip and play on the perimeter a bit is, is a luxury. Yeah. And, you know, so much of that time, those guys are warranting so much attention that that ball will find you and the ball has that proper energy if, if you know, you're ready for it. So I think that is, is one of the big things I've continued to evolve in my game. And early on in my career, I wasn't shooting too much from the outside. Mm-hmm. But I would say a little deeper than service level is, you know, kind of like you mentioned, like on a winning team, I, I went from being the number one guy with a very high usage rate, a guy that, uh, had some, you know, bad habits or bad tendencies and mm-hmm. that, you know, I was the number one guy. I didn't have a lot of veteran leadership in, in my first few years to learning how to sacrifice. I think that was, that was huge. That was, yeah. you know, something I had to learn how to do. You know, it's not just something that you accept right away. I mean, I've been, uh, I know who I am. I was pretty stubborn <laughs> early on, but when I saw the bigger picture and learned, I guess not, not learn this situation, but had an idea of what the situation was and knew that we had a chance to win a championship every year that we were together. Yeah. That was something where I said, okay, so the only way we're going to do this is if not only myself, but a number of guys sacrifice in order for the better of the team. Like mm-hmm. oh, we're going to let Kyrie, we're going to let Ron be themselves, but everybody else is going to have to sacrifice in order for us to be great. Speaking of those two guys, how does it change now? I mean, this had to be a, an interesting off season. You, you mentioned, how you came to Cleveland, now you're the last man standing to that, that trio, right. you know. How did this offseason change in, in this point of your career, you know, when you're already established, won a championship? Right. Did your focus shift at all, knowing that you may have to come back and be a little bit more to bell cow and your usage rate's probably going to have to go up? Absolutely, and I think uh, it's a constant evolution. I think as, you know, speaking of sacrifice and speaking of uh, my time in, in Minnesota, this is all – prepared me for for this time now i have to step into more of a leadership role and you know i i had to first learn how to follow like i learned a lot of the uh a lot of his leadership tendencies and leadership qualities from a guy like lebron and saw what he did on a a daily basis and how he interacted with the coaching staff and with his teammates so you know i think you can in a lot of ways you know it's it kind of transcends any walk of life you can always learn from the best so i'm going to you know, take some of what he did as well as kind of transfer in some of my leadership qualities and, and see where that goes. But also knowing on the court, there's not only going to be that, there's going to be actually playing the game and, and getting my elbow touches and, and, and figuring out where I can be effective on the perimeter as well as knowing that we're going to be an up-and-down team, a team that's going to have to be super physical, a team that's going to have to be in great shape. And at the end of the day, we're going to have to knock down shots. So there's going to be a lot of layers to this thing, but yeah. it's going to be those – you know, micro gains early on, just making making sure that it steps forward and not steps back. And I know that's a cliche, but for us, that holds very true in a team that we have. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, Kevin, but I've, I've always been curious to ask guys this. What's been more enjoyable? And I mean, like, just the basketball, the pure basketball part of it. The climb, trying to become a champion, trying to become an all-star, trying to establish yourself in the league. Or once you get there and then realizing that you're one of those guys. I saw you this summer in Vegas, USA Basketball. I mean, being a part of that group. Okay, you make the league. That's one thing. 400-some guys every year are playing in the NBA. But then there's that subset of, like, 60 guys who are the the cut above the very best. Right. Was it more fun trying to get 
to the league or getting to the point you are now where you're one of the elite players in the league? See, uh, I think for somebody, at least like myself, and when you really look back at it, I always think the chase is the best part. Mm. I mean, I think it's like as humans or as, as people that want to be successful and, uh, you know, make the next step in their lives and, and that, you know, have the chase, they acquire something and they say, Ooh, I like this. I want to keep, keep this. I want to move forward. I want to get it again. I think the chase, but our, our masochistic instinct is to put the, the carrot right outside <laughs> and dangle it right outside of what we consider success. And that's yeah. me. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of guys in this league, but also there is something to walking the walk as well and knowing that I do belong and I can sit at the table. So there is, there is that, but I think that that chip on the shoulder, that edge isn't lost on, on somebody like myself and a lot of players at the top in this league and a lot of guys climbing to get there, that the chase is the, is the best part. It's, it's putting in that time. It's, you know, when nobody's watching, what are you doing? It's developing great habits and finding ways to better yourself on and off the floor. I think that's, that's the best part in life. It's the best part in basketball. And I think it's, it's an admirable quality to have. Not, I'm not just saying it's me. I'm saying it's, it's a lot of guys in this league who are very special and very talented. No question. And, and I think that that blends into what's going on, as you mentioned, off the court for a lot of guys. I'm, I'm always amazed at how many of you guys have so many variable interests. Right. And it's not just – not every guy's trying to rap. Not every guy is doing the – you know, the cutting-edge fashion. I mean, there are a lot of different interests that guys have, and I understand that. But it's curious to me, you know, you probably never saw yourself as the fashion model type when you're 16. You know, and then no. you – No. If you the, see me coming into the league, there's no <laughs> way in hell that you thought I was – no way that I'd be designing for a Banana Republic, having my own collection now. But it's crazy, like, even if you consider – fashion in general like guys around the league like mm-hmm. whether it be braun or russell westbrook or cp like different guys that you know are able to express and show who they are walking into arena because the arena so much now is has become yeah. a runway in, in the form of self-expression for all of us so that that itself has has been very fun but like so many guys have have different interests and, and are into so many things and and are you know in some way a renaissance man like for me the, yeah. the, the banana republic collection and my collection, uh, which is available now at BananaRepublic.com, no. <laughs> plug, plug, plug. No, no but doubt, it's, no a, it's been so special because that was one of my goals when, you know, I, I, now I, I should say when I first came into the league because I had to figure out kind of who I was sure. and how I wanted to dress and, and what was, you know, kind of fitting for me and, you know, kind of evolve it from there. But it, it was one of my goals to have, like, my own capsule collection or work with an iconic brand or like an American brand or it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to – to have my, my own collection and be able to design something like that and build something, yeah. uh, as I previously mentioned. So that that is, you know, one of my many interests. I know a lot of guys in the league are, are into wine and, and some guys are getting into art and cars. And it's just, it's cool to see uh, guys that have, you know, vested interests elsewhere. It's, it's, you know, makes it a lot of fun. And for after basketball, guys could be doing business elsewhere and things that you would have never thought. You mentioned 11 years in the league. And I know when you're early in your career, your focus is on just grinding and, and you know, trying to be the best player you can be. But it's, I would imagine once you get 10 years deep, you get a decade into the league, you got to start thinking about life after basketball. It has to be on your mind because you've hit that age where you know guys, you know, the average career doesn't last that long. You guys have all played 
Right. Fantastic in terms of the the amount of years you've put in. When do you start plotting, seriously plotting for whatever comes next? Not that it's anywhere close for you, but just the the plan. I think, you know, it's easy to say there's no time like the present, but I'll give you two things. At least in this, this last year, being able to admit I had a problem with, with my mental health and I needed to address it, whether it be on the anxiety or depression side, I sure. think that was something that, that I wanted to share my own story and without something catastrophic you know, happening in my life. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I, I, I would have gotten to that point yet, but I wanted to share my story. I'd done that on the Players' Tribune, and, and I really believe that everybody's going through something. But I really found in, in that regard, like I found what I was going to do after basketball in my life work was, was to be able to help people in that space, and, mm-hmm. and I've created my own fun now. But another story is, speaking of USA Basketball, I was there in the middle of July, like we always go. We always get together for a few days. I remember saying, seeing KD, and I said, I said, Kevin, he's like, it's crazy. Like, we're, I was like, I'm going into my 11th year. You're going into your 12th year. He goes, man, I know. Like, we're, we're over the hill. Like, <laughs> and I thought about it. I thought, damn, even if I were to play 20 years, I'm still over halfway through my career. And I'm yeah. in my prime. KD's in his prime. He's had the ultimate success in this league. He's seen it all, done it all. But he's, he ain't playing 24 years. Right. Right. So it is crazy to think that it felt like yesterday that we talked about youth basketball. We talked about grassroots basketball. We talked about, I mentioned UCLA and then, you know, going over, you know, the dynamic between uh, Minnesota for six years, Cleveland for four, and now going into my 11th year. It just time is fast fleeting. So I think there's no time like the present and there's no time like right now to find out what you're going to get into after basketball. Cause I know, most guys just have those blinders on yeah. and, and that, that singular focus. But I think as you have success in this league and as you find your way, I think a lot of things will, will open up to you and you know that you've had those interests maybe your whole life. Yeah, that's that's interesting you mentioned that. And I want to take a moment to applaud you and DeMar DeRozan and, and Keon Dooling and a lot of other guys you know, in the league who have spoken up about mental health issues and other causes outside of basketball. You know, I got teenage sons, and they hang on every word and every right. action, you know, of their favorite players. You guys are their heroes, whether I like it or not. Whether I want them to listen to me or you, I know where they're going, you know. Right. And so I think you guys did a service for a lot of people by stepping out into that form the way you did. And, again, I want to say that I appreciate it, and I think you guys are doing a hell of a job representing yourselves in the league and knocking down some of those barriers. I wonder, were you nervous at all? about how that would be received, not in the league, but just in the broader culture? Like, what... I, I was. Yeah. I definitely was, especially, you know, because a, a lot of these – I don't even know if I would call them insecurities. I believe everybody has them. But I, I was insecure about how people perceived mental health and how people would perceive me going through a panic attack and having that type of episode and dealing with my depression and, and deep-seated stuff or – uh, you know, dealing with anxiety on a daily basis and having to cope with it. So I was, I was nervous to share my story, but I also knew that in talking with my agent, who's like a mentor to me, Jeff Schwartz, mm-hmm. he said, he's like, you know, if you can just, you can, I, I see what you're doing. Like, if you can just help that one person, I said, yeah, Jeff, I, I think if I can just pay it forward and help that one person, like that'll be freeing and liberating and make me feel really good. And I had no idea that it would establish the community that it has. I had no idea that I would be setting up a fund mm-hmm. several months later. I had no idea that me coming forward and uh, DeMar coming forward and then my, him opening the door for me 
which you know, talk about applauding somebody. He was he was really the first one uh, in the NBA to do that. You know, that was a huge moment for me. But it just yeah. it, it did have that sense of, of of being very scary early on and not knowing. You know, when I hit send and, and released that article, what what would happen with, it, with yeah. it? But it was it was very positive, and I think so many people now and from every walk of life, knowing that it doesn't discriminate and Guys in, in, in our situation have been very empathetic and in some ways been able to commiserate. It's been, yeah. it's been very therapeutic, not only for myself, but, but guys even that have success because, uh, you know, success isn't immune to depression. Nobody's immune to it. I think in, in, you know, many cases or in all cases, somebody and everybody at one point in their life is, is, is going to deal with, with something that is going to affect their mental health and wellness. No, I agree. It's just, it's a universal thing, and like I said, it's it's important for the people who are most visible and have the biggest platforms to to right. talk about it. Well, it's the same thing. To interject for a second, it's the same thing with. I mean, like mental health and wellness is universal, but you you know, a guy like LeBron James set up his own school. I mean, like, right, right. You talk about leadership. You talk about a social platform. You talk about uh, you know reach, being able to reach as many people. Like he, his reach is is vast. Yeah, because of his not only his platform, but because of who he is and and what he's done with his school is is just absolutely incredible. So I think a lot of guys are more than an athlete, so to speak. It's bigger than basketball, and and having our reach and having our platform, we're taking advantage of it. So that makes that makes all this even the more special. And you talk about our our interests elsewhere. We are doing a great job, and I'm very proud of our league for you know just being sponges and 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 taking all this stuff in and. You know, giving it right back. I agree. I agree. I, I know we kept you a while, so I'll, I'll finish up here. But um, you mentioned LeBron's name several times, and I made it a point. I was like, I'm not going to hammer this LeBron. I'm not going to talk about LeBron. <laughs> I know he's gone. Everybody knows he's gone. But right. do you appreciate now, I guess, now that he's gone, you know, you spend that time with him, you're grinding with him, chasing the championship, you're battling the Warriors, you know, year after year, going to the finals, you guys dealing with the drama, the injuries, the adversity. Now that it's changed, like, do you look at it and have a better appreciation maybe even more now, now that he's a Laker? I mean, you think and look back and say, man, you don't get this opportunity very often in, in a career. No, I, I I always appreciated playing with, you know, arguably who I think is the, the best player ever. I remember there was there was times throughout playoff series, one even in the finals, there was times throughout playoff series, because uh, regular season, I think he has, you know, you, you get regular season LeBron, who's still the best player in the world, but then you get postseason LeBron. And, right. And his run he had last year. But even prior to that, I said, you know, I would say to, say to guys, you know, in huddles or in fourth quarters or in times when I was taking a break, I was like, man, this, this guy is, this is the best. We're watching something especially. This is the best player ever. So yeah. I think you learn to appreciate that, you know, he, he bailed us out of a lot of, <laughs> a lot of situations. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, he, being who he is and being there with him when you're in it, you, you kind of don't realize sometimes what's going on around you because if you have that presence of mind, you just get lost in it. Yeah. And I think that's what I did a lot of the time. So we definitely miss having his energy around and definitely miss his leadership, definitely miss those situations where, you know, more often than not, large, large, large majority of the time he was playing at such a high level that, uh, you know, whether he's setting guys up, scoring the basketball, rebounding the basketball, he was just a special player to play with. But I think, uh, you know, definitely those situations more than anything, but also as a whole, LeBron is, is a force. So just having him on your team, you uh, you don't lose sight of that. Yeah. Well, that's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what the Cleveland Cavaliers can do in the aftermath of that. Funny thing, Teron Lue was the point guard on the Atlanta Hawks team I covered years ago, so I've known him for years. And Colin Sexton <laughs> is from 
actually from my neighborhood. He went right. to the same high school as that my son and uh, wow. my kids went to. So it's, my worlds collide all the time, you know, being around this game as long as I have. And then, unfortunately for you, you've now been around it. <laughs> so you can, you can do the season, same man. Time, time is flat, fast fleeting I just turned 30 the funny thing is I feel great my body feels great but like looking back you're like damn like, <laughs> I came into this league at 19 like wow. I was like Colin Sexton I was the same I was the same kid like learning the league <laughs> the same way he was but that is also like very fun and uh, you know has a way of bringing that side out of you as well because yeah. you, you see yourself you see yourself in him quite a bit. I bet. I bet, man. It's going to be fun to watch all this year. And, uh, you know, tell the rest of those cats, uh, we're not writing y'all off. I know a lot of people are writing the Cavaliers off. Right. I'm, I'm going to let this season play out and see what y'all can do, man. Looking forward to it. It's a growth year for us. We'll be all right. Definitely, definitely. Kevin Love, check his collection out of Banana Republic. I'm going to be there. As long as they got the, the 3330s <laughs> they in the got pants it. section, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> they got it. I'm not shopping in the tall guy section. I'm just getting in the short guy section, but I appreciate it. <laughs> yes, sir. All appreciate right, Kev. It. Thanks, man. Thanks, Kev. Appreciate Take it. Take care. Thanks. That's Kevin Love, guys, talking about not just basketball, which we could do that every day. I mean, this is a league we cover day after day, and you can get the basketball talk all the time, but very interesting things he has to say about life beyond the game and I think you get a glimpse of that there listening to him appreciate the Cleveland Cavaliers and Kevin Love and the folks of Banana Republic doing his thing check out his collection be, be interested to see what the Cavaliers do this season they got a mix of old and young and uh, we're going to see if they can put it together in the aftermath of LeBron James moving on to the Los Angeles Lakers this is a special hang time podcast sorry my man John Schumann is not here with us he's somewhere crunching numbers uh, doing his thing and uh, he'll be back on the next episode but we appreciate you joining us, and we'll see you right here next time on the Hangtime Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast, and be sure to subscribe on iTunes for a new episode every single Thursday this season. And as always, people, remember, say kuna matata.